Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good job, up. Hello, welcome to episode 14 of Blaster Cannon, Den of Geeks, Star Wars podcast. I'm Megan Krause. I'm here with Paul Herman and Saf. Hey, guys. Hello. Hey, guys. Yeah, what's up? So we normally record a little earlier in, like, earlier in the month, but this turned out to be the perfect time because of the ton of news we got yesterday. So our main topic today is going to be the novel Leia, Princess of Alderaan by Claudia Gray, but we're also going to talk a little bit about the really hot Star Wars news right now of a Ryan Johnson trilogy set outside the saga coming sometime in the future and a live action TV show coming to Disney streaming. Um, There will be spoilers for the Leia book later on, but we'll let you know when they're coming. Um, So guys, the day this news dropped, I was contentedly thinking that the only Star Wars stuff that I needed to think about was probably Rebels and and Battlefront. There's a lot going on right now. And then all this came and it was suddenly there's going to be three more Star Wars movies that we know very little about. So where do you want to start? What do you think about this? And does it still feel fake? Saf's tweet was the first tweet that I saw about this, and you said <laughs> you feel like you were being punked or something? Yeah, I think I asked if <laughs> so, I was being punked. <laughs> yeah. So wow. then I went into it with this like great deal of skepticism <laughs> and was like, is this real? <laughs> but I yeah, I, I think I saw it before most people on my feed did because I just have tweet deck running in the background, and so I clicked on it and like I kind of expected it to be like, Ryan Johnson has a movie or something like that because of how they kind of worded the tweet. But I clicked on it, and then like the first thing I saw was Trilogy, and I was like, this can't be real. Whatever this is, this cannot be real. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt too, Saf. I I just kind of saw a tweet, and I just went, holy, what? And... I don't, I don't know if you guys saw my tweets about it, but I, I put out this first tweet that said my first reaction, which is a wrestler going, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Like, you know, which is pretty common gif you see out there. And then my second gif was of Chris Rock from Dogma giving a very confused face going, huh? Like, that's how exactly my, it conjured up my, my feelings of announcement. It was just kind of, it's, Really exciting because you're getting more Star Wars films and you, you you have a direction now a little bit, at least with a director and like a guy who's going to oversee everything. But like at the same time, you're, you think about it, you're like, wait a minute. Like we, we can discuss this all more and thorough, but like it's it's weird too, right? They've got to have a lot of faith in Ryan Johnson, you know, based on this movie that audiences haven't even seen yet. They must have a lot of faith in him. And so he's – listed on the the press release which was short you know their article was relatively short but he uh is going to create this and also write and direct the first film 
Not sure if he's going to bring on other writers or other directors later, but they must trust him enough to give him this entire new trilogy, which, and we don't even really know what that means. Like, it's not a saga. It's separate from the Skywalker saga. What, does that mean it's going to be similar to the anthology stories? Or, there's a lot of mystery here, but whatever it is, clearly Kathleen Kennedy and the Lucasfilm story group have a huge amount of trust in what he did with The Last Jedi. And he, he tweeted, uh, Something to the effect of, you know, I, I hope you like The Last Jedi, but now I really hope you like The Last <laughs> Jedi. And especially with all the the way they've been kind of swapping directors in and out for Star Wars movies, I can understand why he'd be nervous. There's a lot riding on this. Yeah, no pressure, buddy. I think it's a good sign, though, like... Everyone's freaking out that Disney and Lucasfilm are just like, can't keep a director around. But the fact that they've done something that they're happy with with Ryan and that they've actually given him this power to create this thing says a lot for how much they will work with a director if it works well, which is good, I think. Yeah, that's exactly how I kind of feel about it. But I'm also... What makes me the most concerned about it... And I don't don't even want to say concerned because I don't think it's that bad but i'm i'm just perplexed because we don't know what the reaction is going to be for the last jedi i mean they have the utmost confidence in it but what does that really mean in the end so it's one of those things where i just kind of i it's hard for me to wrap my head around i just keep thinking to myself what if this movie splits fandom down the middle which i still think it will i you know oh it probably will yeah, and that's what I'm wondering. And like, kind how- of doesn't everything though? Like, there's yeah. I mean, the prequels. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, Force Awakens didn't really divide fandom. I felt fandom was pretty united that they all liked the Force Awakens, and even people like me that's who true. have problems with it, it didn't split fandom down the middle. Rogue One certainly didn't. I thought Rogue One was very much in the same vein of the Force Awakens, where everyone was kind of excited about it. I think this is the first movie that could potentially make fans kind of scratch their heads a little bit and go, was that really what we need to see? I mean, that's what, what I'm, what you know, we've heard that from things like slash film, but here's the thing though. The trailer looked incredible. It was amazing. So, uh, which h- h- hilariously, we still have to talk about the trailer. We, I don't think we've done a show since then. <laughs> I don't know if we, no, we talk. haven't, we haven't <laughs> talked about it in total. Oh yeah. It's, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Which is wild. It's like star Wars crunch time. Yeah. That, and that trailer too. I mean, the, the what we saw some of it was i think very heavily modified to make an exciting trailer and i think that a lot of what we saw in that trailer is not necessarily what's going to happen in the movie so we still know so little about what the actual story is yeah yeah i i feel like the problem with this movie like in the first movie the force awakens people went into it expecting nothing really because we didn't know anything about any of the new characters or anything like that but with this movie people have had two years to build up expectations of where they want these characters to go and where they want the story to go and what they want to happen and this movie is probably going to do none of those things i think the biggest fandom divide we're going to end up having after this is people not getting what they expected or what they wanted but getting a natural progression of what the story is going to do and the story may not yeah. do what any of us want but it's going to do something interesting i'm sure of that much yeah and i think that's yeah, going to be one of the exa- biggest yeah. issues that comes out after the film is that it doesn't do what people wanted but i think that's a good thing 
myself. I really want this movie to surprise me, so I'm kind of keeping my expectations low. Or at least, no, my expectations are super high, but I'm keeping, like, my theories mm. and ideas for what should happen very low. I'm expecting the unexpected as much as yeah. one can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know about you guys, um, but it sounds like you guys all love the trailer like I did, the last one. And the, the kind of touch upon, and I think these both the new trailer and the n- announcement for the new trilogy are kind of go hand in hand a little bit. You know, I, I think all of us, at least for me, I don't, I don't remember what you guys thought, but the last trailer for the celebration, I wasn't like super, you know, keen on. Like, I thought it was fine. It was cool, but it like just didn't get me excited. And to be honest, I wasn't really excited for The Last Jedi, like really excited until uh, Force Friday happened. And then after Force Friday, this trailer happened and then I got really excited. I think that the trailer was, looked amazing. Like the exotic planets we're going to get and crates and things like that. It looks great. So... I got, I'm, I was really excited and I still am excited for The Last Jedi. I think it's very, just kind of odd that they announced this like months before or a few months before The Last Jedi, mm-hmm. before it even hits theaters and like they haven't made like much less a critical response, but a financial response and a f- overall like, you know, kind of fan response. And I'm not even saying, when I say fans, I'm not saying like, us hardcore fans i'm talking about just a general audience fans like who are interested in just seeing the movie you know opening weekend or the next week so well i think we'd all agree that's probably not going to make two billion dollars i mean it's going to make a lot of money it's going to make over a billion don't get me wrong but is it going to make two billion i i don't think so i just don't think it's going to make that much and i'm curious if what happened what's what's play you know devil's advocate a little bit here let's say that the movie is kind of is, is is split with critically too with fans so it's like a you know, let's use Rotten Tomatoes. And everyone, not everyone loves Rotten Tomatoes, but let's think about if it got like, let's say, a 60%. I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole of numbers here because I think the conversation about how sure. much money it's going to make at the box office and how the fandom reacts are kind of two different conversations for the very same reason that you said because the marketing mm-hmm. targets the people who are not the hardcore fans, who are not the people who are looking at the numbers and reading the leaks. Um, There are a couple weird timing things here that I wonder if you have any thoughts about, guys. One is the the announcement of the live-action TV show, which is going to be coming out on a Disney streaming service that they say is priced competitively with Netflix. And, you know, so Netflix price or lower because the amount of content will presumably be lower. This came out recently and now here we are going into the season the mid-season finale of the series ending of rebels right i think that's a weird choice too it's also this kind of like we're announcing this new big thing right before this other big thing and it's not like a finite amount of internet excitement and i think they they timed it around this earnings call so maybe it's not that strange but I feel like that kind of connects to what you're saying about comparing this announcement to the fact that The Last Jedi is coming so soon. That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, it's there is so much coming out. It, it's just hard to, to, to gauge all that. Um, you know, with the streaming service coming out, I, I personally don't think this, the, the show is going to come out anytime soon. Like, a lot of people think that, oh, it's the streaming service is going to come out. They're going to, like, rush a you know, and potentially with Disney behind it, they may they may demand it, but I just don't see it that way. 
so like as far as that goes, I I'm still kind of like eh, I'll believe it when I see it, especially in the next two years. But I don't know everything as far as like fan reaction and, and everything with with the force with a excuse me excuse me the Lost Jedi. I don't know. It's a uh, it's something that I just can't really. I, I'm I'm going to be fascinated what happens with this movie because it's going to have so many implications, so many. I don't know enough about these things to know, <laughs> but I do think that part of the announcing the Ryan thing now is to just give more faith and confidence in the Last Jedi before it comes out. Mm. I don't know. I feel like announcing it afterwards. If they announced it and the movie had done well, then people would be like, "Oh, they only picked him because the movie did really well," kind of thing, which is fair. But if they announced it after the movie not doing as well, then that would be a really weird announcement to make. Then, anyways, um, so it's possibly they're just getting it in before reactions happen to the mm. movie. That's a good point, and they need good press. So this is a way for them to yeah. kind of talk up that director, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but. But they've gotten some. I mean, as much as I hate to say it, they got they've gotten some bad press with how they've handled directors, with you know, with firing Trank or firing you know the. Well, nobody really whatever. judged them for Trank, I think. Well, I mean, whatever. <laughs> I mean, Trank Trank is whatever. But at the same time, like they they still have gone through a number of directors. I mean, Gareth Edwards, you know, had to get you know a. I don't want to say babysitter, but he had to have someone sit in with him to do the reshoots. And, you know, and he played ball and not everyone wanted to play ball. I mean, it looked like, you know, like Lord Miller is another, another example. So, um, you know, with, with Ryan Johnson, I, I think they, that one of the, one of the things that attracts, I think Lucasfilm to him is the fact that he got this movie done with no problems. One, I think he wrote the movie, had, he had a clear direction of what he wanted to do. And I think that's what's so crucial. And not only, not only having that clear direction, but he had it and he, and it executed it for what he told them what he was going to do. Whether we like it or not is kind of indifferent maybe to them because it's Star Wars and they just need to keep shoving, you know, these films out. I don't know. I hope it's not like that. I'm sure Ryan has a great story, but. In the end, I really do think that it comes down to the fact that Ryan had a vision for Last Jedi. He nailed that vision. He got it done in a great amount of time that impressed them all. You know, they, they liked the movie and they said, this guy gets it. He knows how to make a movie. He's got a clear direction. He works well with others. He's perfect. And they probably had it pitched. You know, they, they brought an idea up to him. Probably, I'm assuming, and said, "Hey, would you want to do more Star Wars movies?" And he said, "Sure, I've got an idea for a whole trilogy." And he went, "Perfect, let's just do it." Because if he gets these movies done every two years, I mean, it's it's still like a good chunk of his life, but it's not like ten years. He'll get them done within within ten years. So, I mean, and he'll you know have done made a ton of money probably from Star Wars films, and it just and that way also Star Wars has another you know clear direction that's not you know the saga films, and I think it's it's genius. But it's also a little risky because, like, like you said, Megan, like, would they have, should they have waited? Should you know, you know, whatever. It's it's fascinating. What, and here's my other question to you guys: Was it the pitch that sold them to do a trilogy, or was it their was it was it Lucasfilm's idea to do a trilogy? I have no clue. <laughs> That's a good question, and I'd say it's probably a combination of both. Like, I bet the story group mapped out whatever or the executives mapped out how many movies they wanted to do and they had that in the back of their heads as they were working with Ryan Johnson and seeing how quickly and efficiently he turned things in he seems to get along very well with the cast Carrie Fisher spoke highly of him Um, Mark Hamill spoke highly of him after 
you know, some uncertainty about Luke's character, but generally they all seem to get along quite well. I think that at some point the two things combined, like peanut butter and jelly, and just it worked out smoothly that way. Creative projects happen like that sometimes, I think. I don't know. Like, I obviously no, yeah. Yeah. come at this from a game development perspective and not even a AAA perspective, so if mine's indie. But sometimes creative stuff just kind of happens. Like, I mean, things like that. It's like, they asked him if he wanted to do episode 9, he was like, eh, not, no, not really, but I want to do a movie at some point in the future, and they were maybe like, well, we can talk about that. And so they talked about that, or something like that. Because mm-hmm. they at least approached him about 9 from at least what the report said, which is a sign that right. they did talk about that. And I assume they wouldn't have talked about nine if they were already playing the trilogy at that point. Yeah, good point. Yeah. yeah so I don't. I don't know. I I have no clue how Hollywood works or Lucasfilm works, but I'm very excited mm. about seeing something very new out of Star Wars. And this announcement was just like something yes. that none of us expected, which is really nice to see. It shows that Star Wars can still super surprise us, even outside of the movies. Yeah, and and that's my thing too. Is I I'm thinking to myself, is this? I almost feel I almost feel in my heart that Lucasfilm wanted to lock Ryan Johnson up. It's kind of like you guys aren't really into American sports, so bear with me. But like it's like a you know a sport team wanting to lock up a, an up and coming you know free agent. That's you know. They don't want him to escape and they just, you know, they'll give him anything to keep him, you know, to have him stay in, in, in-house and they're on their, in their organization. And I feel that's kind of what maybe Lucasfilm did. This is a plea. Like, we don't want you to go out and make movies besides ours for a while because we, we, you know, we want you. That's what, that's the impression that I get. And I guess like really quickly too, like, what do you guys want this to be? We all can speculate what it could be. What do you want this to be? I think. I want this to be something like Firefly. And I say that, and that's a very hot take. I didn't know you liked Firefly. <laughs> I used to like Firefly. I, didn't, I don't really, like, I haven't thought about it in a while. But what I mean by that is not necessarily the the Joss Whedon snarkiness or even the tone in terms of, like, space western. But Star Wars already is a space western. What I really mean by that is... A group of characters who are not necessarily family, but have a family-style dynamic. Star Wars has done this already with Rebels. They did a little bit with Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka in The Clone Wars. But characters who are fond of each other, characters who stick together and go through whatever weird adventure they can go through. And maybe if we want to make this really kind of trippy, we can do some Unknown Regions stuff. Somebody on Twitter... And I wish I could cite who it was right now. It may have been Club Jade, but I'm not sure. Mentioned Unknown Regions and what they've been doing, what Chuck Wendig has done with making the Unknown Regions seem really strange. I would love to see a movie about that. So that's my like hot take is um, Space Explorers in a weird place. I can take that. Having adventure. Mine is more of a joke. Than anything else, but I really want like a far future Star Wars movie. What? Um, because <laughs> we have like Kotor, right? And that's like thousands of years before the trilogies. Uh, okay. What if we have something like thousands of years in the future? Oh, uh, like Cade Skywalker. Yeah, type like really, thing. really far oh, in the future, no. like unconnected from what we have because of how far away it is. So it doesn't impede in the storytelling sure. at the moment, but it kind of is so far removed from everything we've already had that it's quite different. Which you know they probably don't mm. want something that different, but that's what I want personally. I want to see what Star Wars looks like in like 2000 years. Yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, I hate to be the, the old stick in the mud, like Joe Schmo 
uh, regular, you know, common answer, but I do want like a, a, a past, deep in the past, you know, Jedi Sith story, not Kotor necessarily. If, and if that's what it was, I wouldn't be like, it's so stupid. I'd be like, cool. I kind of tend to think that's going to be about the Jedi because, you know, he, he being Ryan Johnson, brought in a lot of, or we, as we know, he's bringing a lot of force stuff. I mean, like loot Octu, you know, he helped kind of build up around and like, and build off of that. And I'm assuming uh, there's going to be lots of force stuff in the movie. Um, there's an article about the, the, the abandoned visceral game. And one of the things that the people who worked at visceral that kind of talked about how hard it is working on star Wars is that when they go up into a board meeting, they all say, we're, you know, they'll say, we're the lightsabers, you know, where there's no one with lightsabers. Where, where are they? And the reason I bring that up is because it's, it's a, it's a thing that everyone knows, like, and I say everyone meaning like general audience, they know like star Wars and lightsabers go hand in hand. And I know a lot of people out there would love films that don't deal with the force. And I, I totally get that. But I kind of think that like if we're gonna if we're gonna do a trilogy, it just makes sense to do you know to go back in the past and not again not Kotor more like maybe Tales of the Jedi you know something like that where it's about Jedi you know learning you know more being more spiritual and things like that and you know maybe seeing a great war between the Jedi and the Sith that we haven't seen you know something like that would be just oh my god I would love the stuff like um when there were just so many Sith and they were all warring against each other. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff was really fun in that era of the universe because mm -hmm. yeah. it's just ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. It's so ridiculous. Such weird stuff happens and there's some weird Sith and there's so many Jedi. Like I would love a trilogy based in that era. Yeah. And, and that's what, and that's, the, that's what I think. That's what my, if I had bet the house on it, I'd bet on that because I think that you have a blank canvas, you can do whatever you want and you could really, I mean, for, for the most part, and you can just go crazy. I mean, I, I just kind of feel like if you don't have like lightsabers and the force in it, it just seems like a, a real lost opportunity. And, and I, you, if they'd have to go in the past to do that. So that's where my money's in, my money's in. They could do something like what you said, Saf, and go away in the future, but my money's on going back and, and building off of what Ryan probably does in The Last Jedi. But I haven't, obviously I don't know anything about Last Jedi, so I have no idea about <laughs> what he does. But from what I understand, there is a lot of Force stuff in that, so we'll see. Yeah, it does seem like he's diving into that mythology a bit. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's where he wants to go with this stuff, if he finds that he really likes it. Yeah. And I personally love the Jedi a lot, so I would not mind a trilogy of movies about Jedi mythology in some form. Yes. I think I, I wouldn't mind... Jedi at all. Like, I, I love Force users. I'm a little afraid that movies would try to subvert that instead of, like, playing it straight, but that would be cool. Like, I'd be all about that KOTOR-style story as well. Mm -hmm. Like, on a similar note, how do we feel about the TV show? What do you... There's been rumors about a Star Wars TV show for so long, and there was were rumors about a sort of a show about the underworld, and... What do you think that's going to be, any or like, what do you wish that would be? I don't care. <laughs> I was going to say I don't know, but then halfway through that, I realized I I don't really have an interest in live action TV shows after like all of the Marvel stuff. None of it resonated with me. Like it wasn't bad. It just didn't resonate with me. And I realized that I don't really enjoy Star Wars in small bursts. If I get Star Wars, I like it being a big grand thing, like, you know, like a novel or a movie. So I don't really dig comics unless I read them as trades. I don't really like 
watching Rebels, I only say binges the whole thing at once, which is what I've done, which I, what I'm going to do with this half season. I haven't actually watched it yet because I'm going to watch them all together at once. And so the idea of a Star Wars live action TV show, it just seems so like small budget in my mind and like something I wouldn't care about because it wouldn't be like a big enough scale for me to want to engage with it as a Star Wars thing. I don't know. That I didn't really have a point to that. That said, if it's like a Star Wars <laughs> show in a similar vein to um, <laughs> Forward Unto Dawn that Halo did, I could probably dig it. But I don't know how they would do that in, in Star Wars. But yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. And I'll watch it to keep up with it. But I don't particularly care about it. Yeah, I, I, I kind of mentioned this earlier um, when you brought the TV earlier too, uh, Saf. But yeah, I, I'm kind of... I just don't believe it's going to happen anytime soon. I mean, people... Will, you know, I saw someone on, uh, on, online here today say that, you know, you know, it'll get a, hope it gets like a Netflix budget. And I kind of thought, well, it really depends. You know, if it gets Stranger Things budget, even that's not that, you know, Stranger Things has a decent budget, but it's not like over the moon budget. It's not like Game of Thrones budget. Netflix budgets are very low for the most part, at least as far as I know, especially for the Marvel stuff. That's because Netflix doesn't have a large amount of money, I think. Stranger Things did very well for what it had. I mean, some of the, the creatures didn't look like they were movie creatures, but it did pretty good, I thought. No, 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 no. It, it looked fine, but here's what I'm saying. Star Wars is a whole different standard, in my opinion. Like, and that's the thing. Like, think about from if you're George Lucas. George Lucas could have easily made a bazillion movies before, you know, he, instead of doing six before 2005, he could have put out 20, you know, and, and, and watered down the brand. But he didn't. He put out six. He waited. He gave it time. He's he, because he didn't want to just do things for the sake of doing it. He wanted to make Star Wars not just an event, but make it have it be pushing the envelope and everything that he could from a technology standpoint. And that's why we didn't get a Star Wars TV live action TV show forever, and haven't still because it never was quite right. Every time he thought, okay, the studios are going to help me pony up some money into this, no, they never did. Because it's way too much money. I mean, it sucks because I feel if George would have waited just five more years before, he, if he would have waited to sell Disney, for, you know, to f- five more years, put out The Force Awakens or Episode Seven, and would have waited, he, all his wildest dreams would have came true. He, he would have been able to do animation, push that envelope, and have live action, and all like these, you know, online platforms would be giving, doing whatever he wanted to get Star Wars, and he would have a lot of help that way. But you know, whatever. That's just my own personal opinion. I say that because I kind of think now, you know, Disney is not as concerned about. I'm not. They are and they aren't. Does that make sense? I think they 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 obviously aren't worried about watering down the brand, which because they're putting out a movie every year for forever now. And I'm not against that. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think I think we. I think George has built it up enough to where it can be. It can take a film a year. Now with a with a with a, with a cartoon series every year or, or maybe two, who knows? But with with a TV series, there comes you know there's a standard, and, and you know Clone Wars pushes the animation envelope. Even Rebels, I think, is still like one of the better animated shows on Disney XD. It it's not that goes back to what you were saying about Marvel, where like some of the Marvel shows are <sighs> better at like with that than others, and mm-hmm. actually. I was talking recently to John from Den of Geek about will they kind of tone down the epic stuff in order to make something that's more easy to film. And I 
I don't know if they will or not. Lucas was always very particular about with the Clone Wars, he needed to make it look the way he wanted it to look and put a ton of money in it. And I imagine that Disney will be able to do the same thing. But you've gotten a lot of people who are disappointed by Rebels because it's not as detailed as the Clone Wars or because the style is different. Well, they definitely did have a way smaller budget on Rebels, which is partly why I'm iffy on a live-action show as well. Mm-hmm. If they do skimp on the budget, it will be... It depends on what they make, but also skimping on the budget would... Uh, uh, I don't know. I The idea of a badly produced Star Wars live-action show really skeeves me out. Yes, me too. Exactly. I mean, what... And that's the thing, is like, if they're going to do a live-action TV show, they got to make it look like... Like Game of Thrones, like I, I don't, I don't know if you guys watch Game of Thrones anymore. I don't think you guys do, but I, the say what you want, what you want about the show, the, the special effects and the, and the sets are incredible. It is movie quality good, in my opinion. Sorry, my dog's drinking water. Um, and <laughs> like the thing is, it is those dragons look amazing, and you know they just they they've scaled their budget down. I mean, it is a, it doesn't make sense to me. It makes sense. It can only make sense to me if they make it, if, if the story is there and the technology is there and they're going to make it look fantastic, like the best thing on TV. If you're going to give me something that's like super, you know, I mean, I just, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, there's no way they can make a Star yeah. Wars TV show and expect to like give it like a modest budget. You have to give it the big, you, you know what I mean? You have to give yeah. it the biggest budget, budget you can. It can't look cheesy. And like, I so I don't really follow Runaways. I I've seen like the commercials when they come up on Twitter. Like I don't follow it too closely. But there's speaking of the scale of things, the dinosaur. Right, one of the characters is a dinosaur, and they've kind of gone out of the way not to show her yet. And I'm worried <laughs> that that's going to be the weakness. That like if the dinosaur doesn't look yeah. good because they don't have enough budget for a CGI creature. You're going to be able to tell, like, I, uh, me, anyway, speaking as a non-fan who likes dinosaurs, would just constantly be like, yeah, but the dinosaur could have been in this scene because of the budget. And I feel like there's going to be people watching the Star Wars TV show with, there could have been X-Wings in this scene, you know, whatever it is. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm, There will be mm -hmm. people that will be watching for the effects, and that's tricky. I think Stranger Things is actually a good example because... They did a lot with what they had, and they, the creatures were, they looked good, but they weren't in every episode, and the atmosphere of the show was so good. That's the other thing, too. Like, the, if, if the atmosphere is good enough, and if the writing is good enough, you can write around a lot of stuff, but if there's just one little crack in that, um, sort of, the tone, then the, if there's any crack in the animation, it's gonna look even worse. Yeah, that's, I just, I'm terrified of another Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I hate so much. (laughs) And I know people do like it, but I can't imagine, like, an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in Star Wars. It just, uh, I would would rather throw myself into the ocean. (laughs) You haven't seen Inhumans yet, have you? I have not. I'm too scared yeah, to watch it. <laughs> Inhumans is way worse. And I yeah. this is coming from a Marvel zombie who loves loves Marvel shows and I can't I can't keep up with the Marvel shows. The DC ones I gave, gave up on a long time ago. I I couldn't even get through the first 2 hour pilot. It was so bad. It oh, looked dear. horrible. And 
I think Agents of Shield has actually gotten better over the years, to be quite honest. So don't don't hate on it quite yet. The first oh, that's what you keep telling me. But every time I start watching it again, I don't like it, <laughs> and fair I'm enough, worried enough, that enough. I'm going to have that feeling about this new Star Wars show. Is that it'll start off and I'll be like really into it with everyone else, and then I will start to hate it, which is what happens yeah. with me with most live action yeah, shows. Yeah, it's tricky too because yeah. I know that like I'm not a live action. Fan. Like, there are very few ongoing live-action shows. I mean, few, like, yeah. none, really, that I follow, because I'm just so much more interested in animation, so I might not be the person, the best person to, like, go for this, but it's Star Wars. Like, nothing else would sell a streaming service to me except Star Wars and Halo, and here we go. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I... Yeah. <laughs> the only live action shows I watch are like sitcoms or very rarely something else a little bit longer. And I mean, actually, no, if they did do a good Star Wars sitcom, I would dig that. But I don't think they're going to do no that. No Star oh, Wars sitcoms. That, Come yeah. on. See, personally, that's all that could really that get me. But they, they won't give me that. I think the only way they can make it, they make it make do with it is that they give it a short season. Like it's only like six to eight episodes long at the max. And they just give it like the highest budget you can just to get people like interested in the, your Disney platform. Because if you skip, if you, cause they know the danger. If they give you a low quality Star Wars product, people are going to be like upset because Star Wars has the highest standards. It's, it's, it's weird how it works, but it's true. I mean, even, even though I do complain about Rebels animation, it's like, it's because I'm competing. It's going, it's competing against itself. Not against anything else. Anything else looks, I think, inferior to it, in my opinion. Animation Rebels is great, but for in compared to you know Clone Wars, it's still it's not quite there. But still, it's still like on par with it. So, if you make a live action TV show, it has to get. You can't do more than like six to eight episodes, in my opinion. So that's just me. We'll see what happens, right? Yeah, yeah. So we've got a couple more pieces of news this. Uh this week that I think we're just going to go over pretty quickly because there's so much to talk about right now. We've got the Legends of Luke Skywalker book out, which is short stories. I haven't actually read it. Have either of you guys read it? Uh, I'm not yet. Done. I, I just finished Prince of Valderon, but I'll get to Luke one soon. Quick <sighs> review, Paul. Um, It's been very interesting. I've <laughs> our, our good friend John Beerley warned me about this book. He he was not a fan yeah. of it at first, and he's, he's he's warmed up to it a little bit. But I've been I've been I, I think I've liked it a little more than he has. But it's not been my it's not been my favorite book. It's 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 a unique way. It's a unique book story wise from like a storytelling perspective, and I think it's cool what the you know instead of like giving definitive answers to things, they're trying to leave it a little bit mysterious. That's kind of interesting, but at the same time, I would like definitive answers. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not bad, but don't go in expecting definitive answers. Go in expecting to be given an, an impression of what Luke might have, might be doing after Return of the Jedi. It's a little, there's some fun stuff in there. I'm in a really weird part of the book where I'm just, it's kind of a spoiler alert. So just skip a little head, but it's some, nothing too crazy. There's a, a part of the book where a bug has like a point of view. And you're like, you're, you're this little, like, like, you know, minuscule bug is like in Java's palace. And, and, and I'm, I'm on that part. And I've heard that part of the book is very not good. And so far, I'm not digging that part. It's not, like I said, it's not a terrible book, but it's not grabbing me like I really wanted it to. So we'll see. I'm curious what you guys would think. Yeah. Uh, well, 
I'm a little worried about that one. That's not quite my style, but yeah, Megan, you're not. I think you're going to be raging after that. Book. So we got an excerpt from the Canto Bite story collection as well. This story is The Ride by John Jackson Miller. It was posted on StarWars.com. It's pretty good. I uh, I think this is going to fall squarely into that same category that books like Before the Awakening did, where they're like kind of little um, appetizers for the movie. So I am looking forward to that. You can find the excerpt on StarWars.com. And then... Battlefront 2 comes out next week. It's currently in early access. Uh, we have new details about the story mm-hmm. and new information about the seasons, including content in which you can choose between the First Order and the Resistance, and new story content. So seems like our friend Aiden Versio might continue down the path of the dark side, but we're not sure. We'll find out next week. I'm definitely excited to play it. I know, uh, Polly, you're super excited. Yeah, I'm like super stoked because for one thing, I know Megan's actually going to buy this one. So I'm super excited to play this with Megan. I'm going to set aside Destiny briefly. (laughs) Yes. And and Saf, you haven't got an Xbox yet, I assume? Not yet, but hopefully soon. If you get that Xbox, we're going to have, we'll have to do like a Twitch or whatever, the three of us play or something like that. I'm going to do it. It'll be fun. (laughs) What's that? Saf. Wait, was Seth like all about this? And I was just like, no, I refuse. Is that what just happened? <laughs> no, I'll, you I don't know all it, about it. I think it'll be fun for us to play together, but Twitch seems a little bit iffy. No. It'd be so much, who cares? I'm not, I'm not doing I'm, Twitch. Um, you guys are out of control. All right, I fair enough. But really, but really quick, really quickly though, uh, did you get the, did you pre order it or you, are you like the, like the ultimate edition or whatever? I did not. Dang it. I'm like, I pre ordered it like, I spent like all this, you know, extra money for all this, you know, the bells and whistles or whatever you want to call it. I don't game. I don't know. But I bought it and I and I, I thought I was coming out on this on Friday and my friend Chris was like, hey, man, you're going to get a Battlefront? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get it on Friday. You're not, you're not getting it on Tuesday? I'm like, no, because he goes, oh, you, you, you pre-ordered it, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, you get it on Tuesday. And I called the GameStop up where I, where I bought it from. They're like, yeah, you get it on Tuesday, man. I'm like, what? I had no idea. So now I'm like, I'm all excited, but all my friends are getting it on Friday. <laughs> well, you'll get to so, get good before they show up. 
she's not good. So I'm really excited. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't a huge fan of the beta that came out, but I've heard like it, they, they use that to correct a lot of things. Um, I'm excited. I'm probably going to play the campaign mode all week before, you know, I get online and play with my friends just to kind of save that, that moment for them, if you will. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to play the campaign. Uh, I'm, I never been, I never, I'm again, I'm not a big gamer like you guys are, but I, because I have been playing a lot of destiny too. Uh, I do like the campaign. I like the campaign of that a lot and I'm hoping it's fun. I'm hoping this will be at least time consuming enough for me. Cause I'm slow with the stuff that it'll keep me busy until Friday, but we'll see. I'm not sure. So that's like one of the many, many Star Wars things next week. Cause we've also got the mid season finale of rebels. So Ooh. looking forward to that as well. That's going to be something. It's going to be something, that's for sure. I, I I don't know, I haven't, like, I don't know what to expect exactly. Um, Rebels has been great this year. There's a lot of, I love the stuff with the wolves. I love the Lothal <sighs> stuff. So, so. Mm-hmm. Same, same. Yep. Super good. Besides the first two episodes, which I think weren't bad, they were solid, but they weren't great. The, ever since then, almost every episode has been fantastic. At least in my, I don't know, how caught up in Rebels are you, Seth? I uh, watched the first episode of Celebration, and then I saw the second episode, like, on Monday, maybe. Uh, And then I had too much uh, writing to do to watch anything else, so I'll probably binge them next week. Um, Right before the finale comes out, basically. No, that's solid. I'm really digging the season. I think, like, the Loth Wolves are amazing. They're really introducing a lot of different aspects of the Force, I think, with Rebels and and especially with these Wolf characters. And I'm really excited. I I think it's super cool. All right. So let's let's talk about Leia. So we are going to have... Do we have to? Full spoilers for Leia... (laughs) Princess of Alderaan by Claudia Gray. So I got this book not long ago. It came out like in the beginning of the summer, right? I didn't re- I didn't look this up before this podcast, obviously. It came out Force Friday. Thank you. No problem. And summer feels like a million years ago. And it, it talks really about was, yeah. Leia's training as a princess. It talks about her, the way she got into the rebellion. It goes a little bit into what Bale and Breha were doing at the time. And it's got that like romance with her first relationship. So I was very skeptical about this book at first. Leia is not my favorite character. I have trouble identifying with her. And I didn't like the the sound of the description made it sound like it was very sort of domestic, right? It was about her like dealing with her relationship with her parents and meeting this guy. And I, I sort of wasn't about that. But I heard people say really good things about it and that the way they wrote the rebellion was really good, the way Claudia Gray wrote like the intrigue and I found myself really enjoying it. I think that the very first chapter is still my favorite chapter because Leia just marches in with a sword and that's like the peak of this book. (laughs) But um, You're not wrong. You're not wrong, Megan. I found that it was a very uh, well-considered kind of exploration of her character. I really liked Amelyn Holdo, who was a big part of it. And the... The what I thought would be sort of dramatic and would like come off as light, the romance stuff, which was like the thing I was worried about. There isn't that much of it. It's 
I think it's done in a way that contributes to her character in a powerful way. It's not just like completely shoved to the side, but it's also not overwhelming. It's not cheesy. It's not like Sue is so saccharine that you can't handle it. And as someone who like normally doesn't have a lot of tolerance for that, I think I like to think I have a pretty objective point of view on that. (laughs) And I think that this book was like was pretty good at making sure Leia had a, a lot of things in her life outside of that relationship. So generally, I did like this book. It didn't, like, change my life in terms of how I think about Leia, but it definitely concreted the idea that Claudia Gray is a very competent writer and that she, I would be happy to see her do more Star Wars stuff in the future. So we can talk about, we can go through, like, from the beginning if you guys want or if you want to do your general, like a general review like I just did, go ahead and do that too. Or we'll start by talking about like the Alderanian traditions. What do you think? Saf, go ahead. All right, I'm going to do my general thing, which is basically the same as yours, actually. Though I think the thing I liked the most out of it was seeing Bale and Breha, isn't their relationship together, but also as Leia's parents, and also seeing some Emmeline Holdo from who's going to be in the next movie, I guess, uh, actually seeing her and kind of understanding her at least as a young character uh, was kind of cool. I didn't, I knew she was in this book, but I didn't realize she was actually like in this book, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> like I thought no, she was I, mentioned I or something. <laughs> I know what you mean. She has much more like personality than I thought she would, which is essentially, like, she's essentially Luna Lovegood, but she's very, um, Who's Luna character. Lovegood? I, who, oh. I keep hearing this, these, who is Yeah, this? she's from Harry Potter. Did you ever see the, like, oh, the Harry Potter uh, movies? Uh, yeah. yeah. I try to forget them. It's, it's basically the same character, um, with, like, her background's different, but she's kind of, and, and Luna is more, like, Almost a conspiracy. Is she a ghost? Theorist. No, she's not a ghost. No, she's a human. <laughs> she's, just a very, she's just a hippie uh, girl, which basically. One's, which which one's the one that? Yeah, which one is the one that like, Harry goes down and like the ghost flirts with them or whatever? No, that's, that's moaning Myrtle, the bathroom ghost. <laughs> wait, wait, there's a bathroom ghost. Yeah, moaning. Myrtle yeah, that's lives moaning in Myrtle. What, what? Harry Potter's so weird. <laughs> Um, anyway, so, (laughs) yeah, I really like that they had, like, that's one of the things I always want more of in books is, like, friendships, like, just real strong friendships, and you could see that Leia and Amelin were really good friends, and Amelin was also very, like, almost more, um, open to her, like, yoga-type side, like, she did this, this exercise that was essentially a mix of, like, ribbons and yoga and Leia was like not about this and Emlyn was sort of like the idea that you can both be a warrior and be very relaxed and very um zen almost reminded me of Jedi training in a way and it was also I think like a good lesson for girls that you can be tough and feminine or like very serious and also very like uh, daydreamy, that you can be multiple things and that that's okay for you. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked seeing a character that did yoga and stuff because I love yoga. Um, and so she was a character I really clicked with in this book because she loves like the aerial rope stuff. And like, she's always like, let's do adventurous things just cause we can and does yoga and stuff. And I'm like, this is finally my character. <laughs> this is me in Star Wars. Ah, that's such a nice feeling. Like the Also, she's kind of like vaguely bisexual. So I was like, yeah, you go girl. She, 
She's definitely vaguely bisexual. Like I did catch <laughs> yeah. that reference. I did catch that reference. You you so caught you, it. So yeah, it's there. Yeah, yeah. She she says she says that like that's very limiting having one preference or something like that. Yeah, Leia says something about how she prefers humanoid men, and Emmeline's basically like, "It's so limiting. Why would you do that?" And I was like, "Yeah, go girl." So yeah, as you can tell, I love Emmeline. <laughs> I got caught on the humanoid part of that. I was like, okay, so yeah. Leia, where's your line? Like, are Twi'leks okay? Like, <laughs> that was what I was thinking as well. I was like, <laughs> like, how humanoid do they have to be? Yeah. <laughs> well, it depends on. Well, do we? No, this is going to get really weird. Yeah, we don't. Oh, I don't think we need to we go, need to go there. Stop myself right now. Hold on a second, Paul. <laughs> whoop whoop. Okay, back to the reality. All right. um, okay, <laughs> going so back. She also well, met. I haven't given- like oh what i haven't given my impression yet don't you want to hear my general thoughts of Leia? yes yes, well not if they're about what constitutes humanoid yes otherwise (laughs) that was not i know i know there's probably some people out there going no we don't want to hear your thoughts i don't blame them um i didn't like it i'm not gonna lie um this was a tough one for me to get through and uh it sucks because i love leia i love her character here's the thing it was aimed at the, you know, this young adult novel. And I, and I don't want to disparage young, young adult novels, as we all know. I don't like that term because a novel is a novel, right? But this was generated at people who love kind of love stories and kind of want to hear, not hear, but read romance and, and have like kind of explore that aspect of Leia in her early childhood. And there's a lot of people out there who like that stuff. And that's not me. It's not, that's, even even though it wasn't – I thought it was going to get way worse, it didn't. Yeah. See, I, I don't think the romance was the focus of this book at all. No, but I don't think it was a focus, but it was a, It was definitely something that Leia you know, constantly thought about. And then to me, that distracted me from the, the other part of the story, which I liked, which was you know, Leia discovering that her parents are rebels. And how she fits into that equation. That aspect of the book is fantastic. And I think Claudia Gray is a great writer. I really do think that. Bloodline's great. I think uh, Lost Stars is great. And, you know, I thought Lost Stars was a, a little bit different of a, of a love story. I, that, that captivated me. That was, that was really cool. But the, this story, I care. I just didn't care for him. I just felt like I just kind of felt like the the relationship was kind of forced into the story because I kind of feel like it's like it's its whole role in the book was to basically set up, you know, Leia being a born leader, you know, Leia being part of, you know, taking initiative on her own, doing her own thing. And this kind of is the start of it. And it was it was great to see that. But all the love stuff and trying to, like, explore that and like explain how Leia is part of some like coalition of like other, you know, young leaders and the planet. I mean, it was a little too on the nose for me. Like that's very like what we have here. Like we, you know, I had people do a, a thing called youth in government where they'd go down to like, you know, the, the, the capitals and like, you know, I don't know. They did stuff. I don't know what they did, but, but whatever. But my point is, it just seemed like a little too close to home. Like, oh, I'm from planet blah 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 blah. Now I'm not going to be a future, you know, senator here. And, and it, I, it just, I don't know. It just, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. But all my favorite aspects of the book were regarding, you know, Leia, and you know, discovering what her parents were and weren't in, involved in the Rebel Alliance and what that entailed and what that meant. And that part, those parts were great. 
And I just kind of feel like the, the kind of the young adult, like, you know, teen, I don't want to say teen angst, but teen, uh, you know, focused aspects of the book just didn't resonate for me. It just wasn't really what I want to read. And, and, you know, that's like, what I recommend it to other people, depending on who, you know, who, what kind of books you like, you know, maybe. But for me, I, is, I didn't care for it. It was the weakest of all of her books, in my opinion. Um, but there are definitely some cool parts in it. I think, yeah, a large part of what you didn't like comes from the genre. Um, as much as I hate the overabundance of romance and young adult fiction, it's, it's a staple of young adult fiction because it is a big part of becoming an adult is discovering that romance relationships are a thing. Um, at least in standard YA. So it, it, it's fair that this book has it and it felt very, I guess I read a lot of young adult fiction as well. So it, it felt very natural to me because I was kind of expecting it. Uh, but yeah, a lot of your complaints do come from it being a young adult novel, which is fair because it is aimed at like teenage girls as opposed to you. But yeah, fair, fair criticism. I had that feeling of like instantly recognizing the wayfinding class as like essentially this is a, you know, a more extreme version of like the scouts or <laughs> model UN or something. Like I definitely got that feeling of this is supposed to be recognizable. It didn't really bother me because I sort of saw that I think that would be good for kids and teens who could instantly see themselves in it. And I think that's very clearly what it's supposed to do. So I don't mind, but I, I certainly also like saw that. Some of the most notable parts in this book for me were the parts that actually kind of unintentionally or intentionally paralleled. Well, probably I'll roll that back. I'm sure it was intentional because there are some more direct references as well. Um, paralleled the Tarkin novel because Leia notices that Tarkin was, he, he appears in several scenes and she notes that his planet is very hostile and that he learned essentially how to like be a politician from his planet, which is true. You see it in the Tarkin novel. So I really liked the kind of the comparison between the two of them and the scenes with Tarkin were really tense um, because you know what's going to happen with him later, and you know that he's cruel, and I didn't know that he and Leia had, like, known each other since when she was so young, which makes his callousness toward Alderaan even more frightening. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah, I think the Tarkin stuff was cool. I didn't like the dinner scene as much. Oh my god, um, I love the dinner scene so the much. The dinner scene was a little... It was a, it was a <laughs> little... You it know. was literally like what I would have done in like D and D or something if I was in that situation. <laughs> I straight up would have done what Brea did, even in real life. That my first reaction to like get out of suspicions is to accuse somebody of something and make it a whole big thing. So the yeah, moment Brea yeah. did that, I was like, I feel you because same. Yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, it was so was, ridiculous, it, and I loved it. It it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous that they would be like, "Oh, Tarkin, join us for dinner." I'd be like, "Oh, Tarkin, here's a here's a TV meal we have over here. See you guys later." I mean, I, I don't know. Well, they can't I, I exactly they- not invite Tarkin to dinner. He would get I very know. suspicious. Then. Yeah, it <laughs> was. True. I thought. That's I mean, true. it was humorous, but I thought it was a really tense scene because he obviously had so much power, and they had to like do all that ridiculous stuff to throw him off the trail. That's true. That's true. I did. I did like the scene where he talked to Tarkin. He was kind of talking to her and how. He's basically telling her that you're going to one day take over your parents sooner than you think, essentially. I mean, he didn't, he didn't say those words exactly, but that's the impression that she got when she left. And I, I love that stuff. See, that that to me 
like I read about not I read I don't read these books the young adult books but like the romance stuff but like the romance stuff is whatever it's 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 standard in the stuff but what I love about what this book could have been more of is a the the coming of age story of Leia from from you know young 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 adulthood to you know to adulthood you know really fast because she has to and I think because of situations like that where Tarkin forces her to think about like holy crap he's basically insinuating that my parents might die soon yeah. and you know and she ought to, and I love putting a young adult uh, character into that a very adult situation to again to bring out that coming of age aspect that's what was missing I think I wanted more of that stuff like what is Leia thinking from this perspective and that perspective and then that to me is fascinating because that's what makes Leia such a great character. And, th- and that's why I have issues with things like uh, the Leia comic book, which a lot, of, a lot of people out there like. I have issues with it because they treat Leia like a child. And she's like 19. And like already at 16, even this book, she's like figuring stuff out. Like she's not dumb. Like this – She is a – She's more capable at 16 than I am now at 23. Yeah, exactly. And that's, the, and that's the thing is like, she's a great leader and you've already seen this and like, not minus the, the whole A New Hope thing with the comic book. But my whole point is this, it's like, she is such a fascinating character. And I think that building off the fact that she is like the head of the resistance in the future, that this book is setting that up, that this, this, that Leia is so in tune with, with the guilt and also the, not, I don't want to say shame, but like the guilt and, and all the thing that, all the things that come with you, the heaviness that comes into being a leader and something like this that for, you know, is something that's meant for good. And I loved all of that that was in the book. And there is a quite a bit that's that, which I love, but it just went, it just felt like it, it could have been so much more interesting to me to explore her mindset. Like how does this young girl at 16 become this prominent leader into uh, you know, the rebellion. And I think that the little bit we got was great and I loved it, but it just, ah, it just sucks. You know, like, like parts of Tarkin that we were talking about, they, it's like that just emphasized more of like, I wish they could have gone this route more. One of the things that surprised me about this book was the characterization that was laid down for Leia initially that she was so sheltered. The idea that she clearly like doesn't quite know how social situations work because she hasn't, she doesn't have a lot of friends. Like Holda was really her first friend. And the fact that some of the like Alderanian traditions didn't really translate to her work out in the world. And there was another, um, Oh, the the fact that, so like, if you watch the movies, right, if you watch them specifically looking for Leia, one of the things that you'll tell that she says, that's like a distinct, like, line of characterization for her is, I like nice men. <laughs> like, that's like literally a plot point in the movie, or like a point in yeah. the movie, which then becomes a plot point in this book. So I was sort of like, this doesn't seem like the Leia, like, that I know in the movie. Like, of course it doesn't, because the whole point is that her behavior with Han was out of character for her like was unusual and I just I just thought it was kind of funny like I of all the lines I didn't expect that one to ever be like explained <laughs> when her mom was like you should date a scoundrel for one like for yeah. a time or something like that and I was like oh Freya you don't even know yeah, that stuff was a little on the nose that and the fact that she like narrowly misses seeing the Millennium Falcon at one point that was a little too on the nose wait she me. does I, I think so there's an implication that she sees like a the the kind of freighter the uh why 
I refuse to get the name of the Millennium Falcon wrong on a podcast. The YT numbers. Um, <laughs> um, Close enough. She saw that and it was like, it was like a junky ship. And I thought the implication was that it was the Falcon. Huh. You know what? That makes sense. This is the second time I've missed like a Han or a Falcon reference in a book now. Wait, did you miss? You, you got the one in Twilight Company. No, I did not. Huh. <laughs> nice. Eric, I think we talked about it on Blaster Cannon. That was when I was like, oh done. my god. I'm sorry. Yeah. So <laughs> now I've done it again. But yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. Um, but Sneaky, sneaky Han. This book is a little cheesy, which I think is kind of why I enjoyed it. It was easy to like, it felt very young adult Star Wars in like a young adult Star Wars kind of way. I don't have any other way of putting way. that. <laughs> no, like in a fun way. It may not be like I a know. literature masterpiece, but it was fun. And it was still quite emotional amongst that fun. The part that was probably the most emotional for me was when she meets Panaka and you know that God, yeah. is referring to Padme. And Is she I was- wearing like those gowns from the celebration at the end of the phantom menace i think that was the implication which was also a bit on the nose to me because it's like why would you have that particular dress lying around but okay like it's cool i have feels about it i understand it was heartbreaking like i think i highlighted the thing where he first looks at her and like he's just like his eyes are wide and like he drops his tea and everything and i realized at that moment exactly what was happening and it broke my heart yeah, so like, much. She thinks he's being a creep, and that was yeah. such a good scene. Oh, I was so worried about that entire scene, though, when I was reading it, because obviously he's like, I'm going to have to talk to Palpatine about this afterwards, and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. Leia's like, I don't know why you would be doing that. You're obviously going to talk about the minors, right? And he's like, yeah, and also you. And we, the readers, know that he's going to tell Palpatine that she looks like Padme and was born around when Padme died. And so I... I was sitting there like, how can this resolve? Is, like, Bale going to assassinate this guy or something? What's going to happen? But then somebody else did. So, you know, it worked out. <laughs> Thanks, Saw. <laughs> Thanks, Saw. <laughs> you did something good for once. I'm sorry. Yeah. Paul, do you have any thoughts about the the role of the partisans in this book? Um. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, like, super... They weren't, I mean, they weren't like, super prevalent, I didn't think... Again, I, I, towards the end of the book, I might be mistaken. I don't know. I, I do know that they were responsible for Panaka's death, and they were kind of like, you know, in the background. They didn't show up in the end, did they? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I just want to make sure, because the end, I was just kind of at that point, I was like, I'm going to get slogged through this thing. was not feeling it. No, I, I thought it was cool. I thought it was really interesting, because wasn't, yeah, because Saul was responsible for the death of Panaka himself. Was that, that's, you guys, that's that's correct, right? I want to make sure I'm not just making that up. Yeah, Panaka. Yeah, so that was I – mean, Panaka being a moth was nuts. Like, I thought that was really cool. And Yeah, I um, was really surprised by that. And when they said that he was loyal to Palpatine, I had this moment of, like, of course he didn't know about what happened with Padme and everything. He he thought that she was loyal to him, so of course he went to be continuing, continuing to be loyal to Palpatine and Naboo, which is heartbreaking in itself. Yeah, because Naboo was like, and and Leia notes that Naboo was Palpatine's homeworld, and therefore it's well regarded. And I was like, oh, if only you knew. Yeah. Oh my god. If you only knew. That actually <laughs> mentioning Saw reminds me. Um, one of the things I liked about this book was early on in how Leia kept kind of trying to help people and ended up just messing stuff up instead. 
because it showed that she was learning. She wasn't quite ready to be that diplomat yet, and she had to develop into a person who knew how to help. And uh, I like that it showed her as having flaws and then moving uh, forward and improving on those flaws and kind of coming more into her own as a person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, like, I don't know. I could. That was the part I could identify with, like trying to help and then messing something up. Like it was really. <laughs> it felt really mean that it kept happening to her. Like she did the thing with um, what's it called? The mining planet. With, with, oh, crate. What crate? Right? No, 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 no. I want to call it Wabino, oh, but Wabani. I, I was close. Um, yeah. When she came back from that, and like Freya talks to her about how they had actually been trying to save all of those people, and I was like that. Mm, I can see why you're telling her this, but did you have to do this? And then, like, when she keeps causing things, like, with the legislation thing, where she accidentally helps them choose a planet that the Empire just wanted to destroy, basically, for its resources. And then when What's-His-Face Kier dies at the end, and it's kind of her fault as well. And I was just like, wow, can they stop doing this to her? Because this is really mean. But also, it was a big part of her becoming the Leia that we see in the movies, and I understand that. But I still just felt so bad like i felt her guilt when i was reading this book when those things happened because as she's doing them you're like yeah this is a really good idea you go leia and then you kind of get sucked into it and then you find out that it was actually a really bad idea and you feel really awful about everything i definitely noticed that it happened several times which like i certainly noticed that it was i feel like the author intentionally was like leia's not going to get it on the first try and she's not going to get it on the second either like She's really going to put her through a lot of challenges. Yeah, and I guess she has to go through a lot to prepare her for, you know, her parents dying, and then eventually, you know, <laughs> her her not-husband dying far, far in the future. You, you know, that's the thing I will say about this book, that it does set up nicely some things for why Leia does, you know, everything that she does. I liked Bria's characterization a lot. I liked her, her and Bale. I liked, the, I liked their characters a lot. I, I just love that the the kind of the they wanted to protect Leia, but they also didn't want to stop her either. You know, they kind of encouraged her in different ways and things like that. I don't know. I I, I definitely I'll be honest. I love that first chapter too, Megan. We talked about, and I love the fact that like you get you get an idea that Leia has to, you know, like Bria is 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 like the you know ruler kind of. Because she's like, yeah, she is a ruler, right? She's not like, mm-hmm. is she the queen? Is she, but they don't like call her Queen Bria, do they? I don't remember if they do or not. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she is. Uh, is they call the queen? She is called Bria's the queen. Bria's the queen, yeah. And then, she, uh, okay, my fault. Bale my fault, is like a fault. regent or something. He's the, he's the prince right. regent yeah. and the viceroy. He is the concubine. Yeah, he's wow. the concubine. Bria's in so, charge. Sorry. Dude, dude, yeah, dude it's the queen. <laughs> it's a matriarchal monarchy, I guess. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So, I. I don't know. I like they. I really like their characterizations, and I. I would actually like a little more stories of them. Maybe not like a full novel, but maybe like a short story. I'd be interested in reading something like that because I, I don't know. I like Brio as a character. I thought she was really. She's like, really cool. Here's what I I love about the, these characters: they adopted a baby girl, and they also start a rebellion in the meantime. <laughs> it's just like it's just like it's so badass. Like what they did, and like you know, they, they take. I don't know. I, I just love and they, that like, about them. They raise her so well as well. Like she says, there were no exactly. nannies, no nanny droids. Like raising a child is a full time job. Starting a rebellion also a full time job. The <laughs> fact they do both and then also do their royal jobs at the same time is very impressive. Just as parents, they are impressive parents. Yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no. I, I. 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 You. 
Well, I think why I think they're impressive parents staff for me is when I read the book, they were imperfect. They weren't like these amazing, like perfect parents. They were imperfect. They, they definitely, you know, were not, they were definitely not spending all their time with Leia at the end, you know, towards the end of her adolescence, you know, and she, and she felt that. And I like that aspect that like, you know, they did do some, they had to sacrifice a little bit of their, of their daughter's uh, time. At least that's the impression that I got. Maybe I'm making that up, but that's the impression that I got was that like Leia was kind of not starting to be forgotten, but she started feeling that a little bit more. And, you know, where is my father? Where is he going? Like, you know, what is he doing? Um, that's what leads her on that wild goose chase to, to uh, what's it called? Um, crate. Almost forgot. <laughs> crate. You said it was Mobani <laughs> before. But no, it, it brings her. She's she's attentive enough to go. I need to figure out where my, what my parents are doing because this is weird. So that's what I really liked about the story and, and Leia's characterization and also their characterizations. Like they made sacrifices. I think Brie even like, talks about that, but they're doing it for her. And they also know that that it was maybe always the right decision. I don't know. They just I love flawed characters, and I I also love real characters, meaning they can admit to themselves and to other people that maybe everything they've done hasn't been one hundred percent on the money. And yeah, that's what I feel about the the Organas is that they're not they are great people, they are good people, but they're not perfect people, and they. And this book kind of highlights that, but it also highlights how good and great they are, too. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I think in a galaxy that is a universe so filled with terrible families, it's really nice seeing Bale and Breha and Leia and, like, yeah, the way that Bale and Breha can say that they've done something wrong and then make steps to make it better and have that kind of open communication amongst their family. And I'm glad that at least something in Star Wars is showing this kind of relationship because it's such a beautiful relationship that they have and they're such good people like like you said they're not perfect at all but they are good people and they're interesting characters and this book like I already loved them both a lot but this book made me love them both way more I would love more material with those characters in them and I think that more than anything proves the point that even if this book isn't necessarily my cup of tea, like I'm probably not going to reread it anytime soon, but I noticed that the characters had a lot of depth and had a lot of flaws and a lot of complexity in, you know, to a degree, it's not, you know, it's not a 500 page super in depth novel, but it, for the type of story that it's telling, the characters had a lot to them and I really appreciated that. Yeah, Claudia Gray is really good at building out flesh, ca- fleshed, fully fleshed characters. Not just fleshed, they're fully fleshed. <laughs> they have skin. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing them. I've always appreciated. Most of them. Some of them have got scales, you know. Yeah, uh, but non like, ones. In, <laughs> in Lost Stars and in Bloodline and in this book now, like, everything she's written so far has, even if the stories have been kind of like, I didn't really care about Bloodline's story that much. I can barely remember half of what happened in that book. All of the characters stood out to me so much. She's so good at characterization and building out characters that feel really real, even if you don't actually know them for very long. And I think that stood out really strongly in this book. So I think that's about our uh, our conclusions for the day. Paul, do you want to add anything about that? Uh, no, I think you guys, I, I think we've uh, done a good job of kind of giving like a, a, a highs and lows a little bit. And it sounds like, it sounds like I'm definitely a minority, which is not surprising. But at the same time, I think that people who are on the fence about the book are going to have a great idea of like what to expect and also kind of like, okay, well, maybe I should, you know, 
they should check it out. I don't know. It's because I don't think we spoiled that much in this book. So I think people could, you know, if they haven't read it, they should check it out and, and see for themselves. Because I think Claudia Gray, it's not my favorite Claudia Gray book. I still want Claudia Gray to be, you know, writing Star Wars books. I, you know, I think she's a solid writer and does great work. So, um, yeah, I, I, there's good aspects to it, but there's not, it's not my favorite. I don't ever plan on revisiting it at all. So, yeah, but bring on more Claudia Gray Star Wars books because I think she does a good job for the most part. Yeah, and I agree that, like, if you look at this and immediately go, this book is for me or isn't for me, you're probably right. <laughs> but Yeah, um, I mean, if you don't like young adult, then you're probably not going to like this. But here's the question. Is this book essential reading for, like, people who are reading for canon reasons? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. Really? I think wow. so. For I several- think it does a lot in building up, char- like, yeah. reasons for why characters did something and it does a lot for showing the rebellion earlier on i guess yeah it does a lot of things it shows how leia herself was raised it shows i feel like that bit about panaka is like the most important thing that's where a character yeah. where he ended up it shows a little bit more about the partisans and what they were doing and it shows about what tarkin was doing at this time and what the state of the senate was in this time we don't see this is the senate shortly before it was dissolved like we don't see that very often I do think that there are things in the, in this that will be like glimpses of of new canon information that people who are just looking for more data would might sure. like. Oh yeah, and oh, the yeah. Emily and stuff, I guess as well. Yeah, but is she okay? How about this? How about this, guys? <laughs> how about this? I'm gonna those, yeah, I'm a counterpoint. Is it top five? No, no. I mean, is it out top of what, ten? What? Like how all long? canon material. We're, we're talking like from all the comic canon? books to oh, all canon movies. All the co- I can't judge the comics. The, no, not movies, not the, movies, the movies are the top ten, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's been taken care of right there. <laughs> okay, how about this? <laughs> that was pretty good. No, um, uh, <laughs> I'm still laughing about this. Um, no, top ten including comic books. Do you want to count Rebels? Uh, uh, Rebels seasons. counts in top ten automatically, I think, because it's very uh, tightly linked in with the shows. I don't know. I would say, Rebels. I would say you could skip Rebels. You could. I mean, is it? How about top? Let's leave it top five. Okay. If it's, if it's top if five, it's your, if it's it's not your top five, but it may it might be your top ten. It might be my top ten, but it's not my top I, five. I will definitely challenge you guys. I will, we we'll figure this out in a future episode. We'll do a top <laughs> ten like like I know, canon I'm material right now. Looking at a list of. <laughs> all the canon novels but the list the wikipedia list contains a lot of like kids like middle grade books too so it's hard right. to count now and we're talking <laughs> about essential reading or essential what's what's essential for star wars canon yeah. not so what like, your favorite is either so uh, so oh. i guess twilight company's out then <laughs> yeah see that's yeah, what i'm saying so what's very, what's an essential I mean, it is essential but not for like Reading for canon. <laughs> Megan, it is essential, but not for that. I, I She's not wrong. Stick up for Twilight Company. <laughs> hey, I, 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 I liked it okay. I like Twilight Company more than this. You know? That's, that's, uh, that's apples and oranges. I know, um, I know, I know. I but know, they're I both know. good. That, that, well, yeah. Um, well, okay, no, we're gonna come that, back to this because now I'm like obsessing over making a top ten list. Yeah. We yes. should do this for the end of the year. Our final year yeah, thing oh, should I have love that. It. Yeah, guys, I love this. Ugh, All right, <laughs> so we'll reconvene about that. We oh, will this will be fun. Cool. So, guys, I hope you enjoy uh, 
your Battlefront experiences. And uh, we will talk next month. And then probably our next episode will be like right before The Last Jedi comes out, which is insane. Oh my gosh, that is insane. So this podcast, as stated, is hosted by Den of Geek. You can find it on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts and other major podcast places. We can be found on Twitter at BlasterCannonPod. And I write reviews and features for Den of Geek and can be found on Twitter at at blogfulofwords. Tell me where you live on the internet. Yeah, where do you live on the internet? Yeah, Seth. Me? Okay, fine. I am Wanda Luston on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on my website, notsafwork.com. I also podcast with Megan at Toshi Station's Western Reaches, and I also write for toshistation.net. And you posted on 11.38 recently as well. I did. I had a guest post up on 11.38, which had some hot takes on novelizations. Not novelizations, just on novels in general. So if you like controversial articles, go check that out. Cool. Paul? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. And uh, you can uh, – I think Megan already said it, but I'm just going to reiterate. Follow us at Blaster Cannon Pod on Twitter. Yeah, I look forward to talking to you all about Star Wars at some point or another. Great. All right. Bye, guys. You be in the audience. <laughs> you be in the Bye. audience. Bye. <laughs> we, oh, is this awkward? This is awkward. Sorry. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.